Testing, one, two, three. You guys hear me good? Awesome. Let me move this out the way. All righty, how you guys doing? Pretty good? Is anyone here on spring break yet? All right, because about five more days. I know, right? Yeah. Well, I'm asking because uh, family's in Waco. My niece and nephew, they're already on spring break, so vacation for them. Um, for us, while they're on break, we'll be, um, you know, we'll, you guys will be at school. I teach PE and clean, so I'll be at work with the kids. So, um, so looking forward to spring break. Um, yeah. So uh, Romans, um, hopefully you guys have been with us in the study of Romans. Um, I've been really, really enjoying it. Uh, Dave's done a really good job on, on preaching through Romans and just kind of opening up the text, delivering that to you guys, um, really just showing you guys what it means and what Paul is trying to communicate with us. Um, and so I'm excited to be able to go through the first half of Romans 1 through 11 with you guys. And um, he actually told me about it about three, four months in advance. And so when you, you know, when you get the heads up that you're going to be preaching on this date, you get real anxious, real nervous, to be honest. And then you kind of tell yourself, okay, when do, I, when do I start preparing for this? And just, you know, the time frame on that and stuff like that. And so that being said, um, I prepare for it ahead of time, obviously, and I'm ready to go. So I'm ready to um, uh, op- open up this text for you guys and, and, and walk you through it. That's what Paul is trying to communicate to us. Um, Real quick, I want to pray again real fast. Um, Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we, we thank you for today. Um, your, your grace and your mercies are alive every day. And I just pray, every, you know, every day as we wake up, we truly see that in our lives. Um, as we go through Romans this morning, Lord, um, I just pray that you'll open up these texts. Romans is filled with just beautiful truths about the gospel and who you are. And I just pray that this does not only just become uh, knowledge to us, and facts, and truth, but um, all of that and more as we apply it um, in our lives, as it becomes real to us, and as we share that with other people, Lord. Um, And so, Father, we we thank you again for uh, one of the greatest letters ever written, Romans, and uh, we thank you for the Word of God that communicates to us um, clearly um, the truths that that we need to know to uh, communicate the gospel and uh, know the gospel. And so we love you, Lord, and we thank you. And we pray all these things in your precious and beautiful name. Amen. Awesome. So we're going to be in Romans 5, 1 through 11 today. Romans 5, 1 through 11. Um, I feel like I have a lot to cover today. And so I'm going to be going pretty much verse by verse. Um, So follow along. Uh, If you don't normally use your Bibles, get an app. Hopefully someone has one with you. Because um, I really want to just go through the text with you guys, walk through it with you, um, and, and just really um, open up the text, what it means and what Paul is trying to communicate here um, with us. Um, before we dive into Romans 5, um, just kind of a quick recap. Last week, David, uh, Dave talked about, not David, Dave, no one calls him David. Dave talked about uh, justification by faith. Um, that's really the first theme of, of, this, of the first part of the letter of Romans justification by faith. Um, pretty much what that means um, is that Paul shows in the first part of Romans, 
all have rebelled and sinned against God. Um, first, first part of the gospel, no one is able to come to God uh, because, again, we're all sinners. We rebelled against him. And Paul is showing through first part of Romans, mainly Romans 3 and 4, um, that it's by faith we're able to come to God, not because of anything that we do. Uh, baptism, how many times you go to church, not any of that, but by coming to him by faith, repenting of our sins, putting our trust in Jesus Christ on what he's done for us on the cross, and it's through that that we were able to come and know Jesus and have a relationship with him, right? Um, so the first part of Romans 5, um, it says, therefore, having been justified by faith, and so I'm going to stop there real quick because Paul is transitioning from the first part, the Romans 3 and 4, because of the therefore, and he is saying because of the, the consequences of truths that you guys have heard, talking about David and Abraham and how they lived a life um, worthy of just putting their faith in Jesus Christ, Paul is saying because of that, because of, of, of have them having that faith, they are justified um, by faith, like it says in, in Romans 5.1. Um, so again, that sums up the teaching of Romans 1-4. through 4. And therefore, it's really important to know because it's going back to what the text says before that, right? Um, what exactly does it mean to be justified? I'm going to real quickly just go through this with you guys because I think that's a term that a lot of us don't know. Um, it's a theological term, and some of us kind of, when you hear the word theology or anything theologically, it rubs us the wrong way, and it shouldn't. I think these, it's a, these um, the, theology Theology has a lot of beautiful truths to it um, that for us can um, help us know and love God so much more, and knowing the truths about the gospel. And so real quickly on, on what does it mean to be justified by faith, um, it describes what God declares about the believer. Um, in biblical terms, justification is the divine verdict of not guilty, fully righteous. It is the reversal of God's attitude towards the sinner, Whereas he formerly condemned, he now defends. Although the sinner once lived under God's wrath as a believer, he or she is under God's blessing. Um, so just think of it this way. Think of it if you're in a courtroom, all right, and the jury foreman declares you not guilty, all right, um, or he declares you not guilty, um, legally and officially, you are innocent, right? Um, but if he is found not guilty, uh, if he, but if he is found guilty, he will walk out of the courtroom uh, punished for the crime that he committed, right? In the same way for us as, as believers, um, when we stand before God, we are declared not guilty. We are declared righteous because not what we did, but because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We are justified before him. And uh, real quickly, that's, that's just what justification means, um, Next slide real quick. Justification, A.C. Dixon, old Baptist preacher, says, justification is a way beyond anything that a human court and justice um, ever realizes. It is put in the sinner in the condition before God as if he had never sinned at all. It has given him a standing in the merit of Jesus Christ of absolute innocence before God. Um, and so justification is huge. It's important. And a lot of us here, if you are a believer in Christ, if you are a Christian, then you are justified before God. I think that's important because there's, a, there's benefits that come with that. There are things that God gives us when we stand before him justified. In Romans 5, the first part of Romans 5 lays out 
um, three of those, and we'll continue reading in Romans 5, one, uh, verses 1 and, and 2. Um, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith until, into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And so just th three benefits I want to go over in this first part of Romans that it talks about justification. Um, the first one is there is peace with God. Um, this isn't the same, this isn't the same peace that, you know, um, I need peace with God like before, you know, I have peace with God making the decision. It's not the same peace as that. Um, rather, this peace it talks about is until salvation, there's a war going on between God and us, all right? All that means is obviously, and a lot of you guys, um, what I'm about to say through Romans 5, some of you guys have probably heard before. And so real quickly before I go on, Dave mentioned, you know, we're praying for you guys' spiritual breakthrough. Um, a lot of you guys don't really honestly don't remember when you weren't following Jesus because you basically grew up in the church. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're following Christ, but you just grew up so much in the church, you're hearing the same thing over and over and over again. And my prayer for you guys is um, that the truth of the gospel can become real to you and also as well that um, it could just um, encourage you and motivate you guys to share the message of the gospel to other people. So keep those things in mind while we're going through Romans 5. Again, I feel like I have a lot to cover, um, but don't let this message just be mere knowledge to you guys, but just facts and truths that not only you can apply also in your life, but also you can go out and tell other people. Because it's so much more than just, Romans is so much more than just um, this and that about the gospel, who Jesus is, and stuff like that. Um, but it goes beyond that on how we can apply it to our lives, what it means for us as a, um, as a Christian who is justified, and also um, how can I go out and tell this to others. And of course, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, hey, this is what God has to offer for us. I mean, this is the gospel, and if you're still alive today, you still have hope. You still have hope to repent of your sins and turn to Jesus Christ. So just keep those things in mind as we're going through Romans, and, and as I'm going through um, just the, the, the truths that Paul is listing here, or going through in Romans 5 to 11. So anyways, back to uh, the first one is peace with God. Um, all this means is, again, before we, um, we were Christians, um, doesn't matter how many good things you've done, you got baptized, doesn't matter any of that. Um, we weren't at peace with God. We're at war with God, all right? We sinned against him. Uh, something happened. Um, we, we had beef with God. Um, there, we were sinners. We rebelled against him. We were chasing our own things. We didn't want God, all right? Romans 3, I think Dave talked about a couple weeks ago, said no one searches after God, all right? We didn't want anything at all to do with him. Um, and so, Paul is saying, because we are justified, we have this peace with God. No longer, um, no longer are we enemy of his. Um, we are a friend of his. All right? Um, the first great result of justification is that the sinner's war of God has ended forever. Scripture refers to this end of this conflict as a person being reconciled to God. Um, and so peace of God means we are reconciled to God. Reconciliation means... Um, there's you and this other person. The relationship is, is, is not right. The relationship is, needs to be mended, all right? And the friendship needs to be restored. And so our friendship has been restored um, to God uh, because of Jesus. 
of the next in verse 2 it says through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand um, so second there's access to grace in which we stand um, all this means is we are given a favorable position from which to develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Notice it says, through him, we are given access to grace in which we stand. Through him, through Jesus Christ. Because before that, there is no way we could come to God. There's no way. All right? We're in our sin. We rebelled against him. We weren't searching after him. All right? Because of Jesus Christ, because of what he did for us on the cross, um, we... we can now have this access to God, we can develop a personal relationship with them. Another second benefit of um, justification. Um, so it's through Jesus Christ that we can now develop a personal relationship with him. Um, and then last, third, there is the hope of the glory of God. This is a certain anticipation of sharing God's future glory. Um, if you're in a, a big a big church, big service today, I think um, Pastor Gary hit really big on this. I wish I could kind of echo what he said. I try to remember what he said, uh, but I think he, he really hit home on this. Um, all this means is the more that we enjoy this peace that we have with God, the more that we enjoy our relationship with him, the more we grow with him, the more that um, we experience our peace and access with God, then the more desirous, the more we're going to want to be with him, the more we're going to want to become like him, the more we when I want uh, to become, to be with him in heaven, all right? So Paul is saying here, the, the last benefit that he's talking about here is there is a hope of the glory of God, and we get to rejoice in that with him. And one day, we will all experience that with him, those of us who are believers in here. And Paul is saying, again, um, there's a certain anticipation of sharing God's future, uh, future glory that we have. Um, so before we move on, Notice that these three benefits that I just went over are three tenses of our salvation. Go on to the next slide. Um, in Christ, we've been freed from our past. We are free in the present to enjoy personal relationship with God, and we will one day most certainly experience the freedom of life lived in the full, awesome presence of God's glory. So three, uh, three tenses of our salvation that Paul is mentioning here in these first couple of verses because we have been justified by faith um, through Jesus Christ. Um, again, in my, my encouragement to you guys, um, most of you guys know these truths, those of you guys who are Christians. Uh, I think the problem is for us, um, how well do we live these out? How well do we preach these truths to ourselves? And then just real quickly, want to give you guys uh, some encouragement through that is preach these truths to yourselves when your thoughts wander and, and are reminded of your life before Christ. For the struggling believer out there who's, who's struggling with whatever you're going through, um, when, the enemy's, when the enemy Satan tries to drown you in your guilt when you sin, be reminded of these truths. Be reminded that you are freed from your past. Be reminded that you are, because of Jesus, um, be able to enjoy a relationship with God. Um, and then when you don't think you will finish um, this Christian life um, and not get to live in the awesome presence of God's glory, remember God will keep you and sustain you. Um, so just a couple of just uh, truths that you guys can be reminded as you're, as, um, can for the struggling believer or just in your everyday life and, and so on. Um, 
we'll move on to verses 3 and 4. Um, so we know these are wonderful benefits. We know that, that God is for us. We know that um, these are wonderful truths to, to know and rejoice in. Um, but life is a journey. Life has its ups and downs. I'm sure many of you guys know that. For some of you guys, uh, life's probably not as, as hard. But some of you guys, I mean, we've gone through just horrible ups and downs in lives. And so you're probably asking, LB, like, I know these benefits are for believer. And how can, how can this help me towards greater joy when I'm going through my worst? Because sometimes I don't even believe that. I don't, I don't even believe that God um, thinks that about me. I don't even believe God would, would, would justify me despite me going through all of this. And Paul here, um, in verse 3, he quickly turns from boasting in the hope of God's glory to boasting in our tribulations, boasting in our suffering. So let's read Romans 3, 4. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And we'll stop there. Um, so Paul is saying every difference. He is saying, in other words, not only do we have these joys, but these joys remain joys in our sorrows, and even, and even help us find joy in our sorrows. Um, so obviously, we don't rejoice, we don't find joy in the pain itself, in, in life, it's, in, in, in the hardships and the suffering itself. Paul's not saying that. Um, what Paul is saying, though, that every Christian knows that suffering will have beneficial results, right? The, for the Christian in here, the way we look at suffering is so much different than um, people who aren't believers, um, different other religions even. The way we look at suffering, Paul is telling us here to rejoice through suffering, all right? Let's look at uh, the, the next couple of verses. Um, suffering leads to endurance. And this is a word that really means single-mindedness. Single, uh, mind, suffering makes us focus. It helps us focus on what really is important. It makes us remember what really is last and helps us realign our priorities and so on. It removes distractions. If I can do this, this is, this is going to help me endure to the end. Um, so suffering leads to endurance. All right. The next one is endurance leads to character. This is a quality of confidence, quality of confidence that comes from having uh, been through an experience. Um, and I'm sure some of you guys who have been through a type of suffering or just been through times where you've doubted God's love, you doubted that God is still for you, I'm pretty sure some, somewhat of one of these, uh, of this verse is applying to you and you've experienced it before. If you haven't, then I genuinely believe for every Christian, suffering, one form or another, is going to come um, to all of us in some point of our life to another. I think the Bible speaks clearly about that. Um, I think the way we, we look at it and, and the way we, we, we handle it is going to determine the difference on how well we understand our justification and how well, that, um, how well we know God. Um, endurance leads to character. When suffering approaches our character, definitely gets tested. If you've been there before, um, you know what I mean. Um, I like to think um, an example um, is, I know for me in my life, when I've gone through suffering, um, a trial in my life, big or small, my character always gets tested. What do I run to first? Um, who do I ask for, for advice on this and that? Instead of praying, instead of opening up the Bible, 
you know, what, what self-help do I seek for myself to try to fix the situation, to try to help the situation? Um, and so for me personally, I know my, my character always gets tested. Uh, and I remember, I guess you could say the first trial, the first part of suffering that I went through when I was a young Christian, because I don't think I'm young anymore, I'm 25. But when I was a young Christian, um, man, um, I did not look to Jesus. I did not put my faith in him. I did not read my Bible to, to, to tell me what it talked about suffering, you know. And so from then on, at least now, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but at least now, um, my confidence when a trial does approach me in my life, at least now, um, I'm, I'm having greater confidence as I come through it. And no, it's not perfect. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I have it all together when, it, when, it, you know, when, when, when life is rough for me. Um, but there, but there is something there that I'm, I'm looking to Jesus, putting my hope in him. I'm looking to the word. And, um, it, again, it definitely gets tested. And, and you guys who have been there before, you know exactly what I mean. Um, and throughout the Bible, Paul, um, different, different people who write the Bible tell us um, different ways we are to look at suffering. Um, and then the last one, um, all this leads to a, a greater hope. And we see that word hope again, which is a stronger assurance of and confidence in one's peace, access to God, and his future glory. Sufferings, rather than threatening or weakening our hope, will instead increase our assurance of that hope. Um, and so again, that hope that is talking about our faith in God. A lot of you guys in here, I'm sure, can say that through your suffering, through your trials, and your faith has gotten so much stronger when you during it and when you've come out of it. All right? Because it's, it's easy. I always say this, it's easy to praise God in the church when everything's going good. When life's going good. But, man, for some of us, when we hit rock bottom, man, we really see how much faith that, that we have. But for some of us here, maybe one decision in life doesn't even go our way. And we really see what we put our faith in, who we put our faith in. All right? Paul is saying to us here that, man, all this is going to lead to a greater hope in, in Jesus Christ. All of it. It's going to lead to a greater confidence in who God is, his promises, trust in his character. And, and I can say personally in my life, and I, I have not been perfect in this area, but, man, it, it's definitely, definitely been worth it. It's, it's definitely been, been worth me just going through all the mess that I put my own self in and God obviously coming through for me and, and me relying on him and, and me trusting him and his, and his character. Um, next slide. Suffering drives us to the one place where we find real hope, real confidence, and real certainty, God. Uh, Tim Keller says um, on, on suffering, on, on our perspective of suffering, while other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of life's joys, foreseeing the coming sorrows, Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of the world's sorrows, tasting the coming joy. In the secular view, suffering is never seen as a meaningful part of life, but only as an interruption. And so our suffering as a Christian should not only in increase our joy in Jesus, all right, but again, also, like I said before, um, how our faith should be so much stronger after we come out of it, and even during, during our suffering and trials. Um, verse 5, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. 
And so we see here, Paul has moved from the objective aspects of our security in Christ to the eternal, more subjective. Now, what do I mean by that? Paul is talking about, he's, he's stressing here that God's love is active. It's, it's a personal, emotional experience within the believer in Christ. So we just got done talking about suffering, all right, and he's saying that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's when it becomes personal. All right, and, and for the record, when he's, when he's mentioning the Holy Spirit in there, every believer in here has the Holy Spirit inside of them. All right, so one way or another, if you're a believer in Christ, you have experienced that love in some form, right? Some of us have experienced it to some higher degrees because we are more disciplined in prayer. We have our, our lives are just devoted a lot more to Jesus. Um, and some of us have not experienced God's love in that way uh, because of our, our spiritual lives aren't, our spiritual lives are dry. Our spiritual lives um, aren't where they should be. But, but Paul is saying here, everybody, if you're a believer, has experienced the, God's love. All right? So it also, it could be an argument that could be looked at in the scriptures, but it could also be something that you could look in the scriptures and say, it has to be experienced by you personally. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying that, um, uh, he's telling us here a conscious experience of being loved by God. Quick, real quickly, a couple of points I want to um, make through this that I already mentioned before. Verse 5 says, the Holy Spirit, which is given to us. And so, again, it has to be a supernatural experience. Um, it's not worked up by human means, all right? Um, to, it is an experience. Uh, it is experienced by all Christians in some measure, okay? So, again, um, if you just, if, uh, some of you guys who um, have grown up in the Bible Belt and just have just kind of went through the motions weekly and all that, then maybe you haven't experienced God's love yet, or maybe you have, and it just haven't hasn't been something that you have just really has, has caught your attention. Some of us here who ha- who have been through the ups and downs of lives, who've had a disciplined prayer life, stuff like that. Um, a lot of you guys have experienced massively God's love in your life through your trials, through everything that you've been through. All right, and lastly, this experience has factual, objective content. In other words, it is communicated through objective truth about Christ. Um, and I'm going to explain that here in the next couple of verses because Paul lays it out um, on what Christ did for us on the cross. Um, <clears throat> Romans 5, 6 through 8. For while we're still weak at the right time, Christ died for the godly, for the ungodly. I said godly. Um, stop right there real quick. Um, while we're still weak, at the right time. Uh, I think this world today, we, we don't like the word weak because we like to think that we can do it all by ourselves. We can save ourselves. No one likes to be called weak. All right? I mean, when I'm, when I'm uh, you know, working out or running or whatever, man, I don't like to be called weak. I want to try to get it done by myself, okay? Uh, spiritually, you guys, if those of you who aren't Christians in here, some of you guys who maybe don't really understand the gospel, you haven't had that spiritual breakthrough yet where you don't know if you're a Christian. You have to understand before you come to Christ, you are weak. You cannot save yourself. All right? Some of us in here who have grown up in, in church our whole life, and, again, you guys can say, I don't know, LB, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. I don't know. I don't, I, all I remember growing up is me following Jesus. Even for you two as well. You have to remember there's a time um, 
while you were unable to save yourself. Right, and Paul is saying her, for while we're, while we're weak, Christ died for the ungodly. Let's uh, move on. For one were scarcely died for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good uh, person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. The verses 6 through 8 tell us we can know God loved us because of the death of Jesus Christ. He, he lays it out here in the argument, actually. It's really, really good. Um, he's making an argument that we can have all clearly in our minds. Um, and I, I, again, in this passage, let me say real quick, good passage to, to, take to, your, to walk through with your friends on, on God loving us and, 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 and the Bible telling us that God laid down his life for us. And so for any of you guys who, when you're in, in, in high school with your friends or adults, workplace, really good passage to bring people and walk people through. Because Paul lays out, he just doesn't just tell us, just, he doesn't just list through a bunch of facts. But he, he, I like how he uses arguments to get his point home. And so um, another uh, translation that, that Paul has here is, um, it will take a very loving person to die to save another. It's extremely rare that anyone would die in place of someone who's upright, though if they were also warm and kind and good, then it might happen. Human love at its best will motivate a person to give his, her life for a truly good person. But even a loving person would not die for an evil one, a very good one possibly, but an evil one or a wicked one, nah. I just put nah there. I, I didn't want to say no, but I put nah. He, he got, he, nobody would do that. Maybe, but, you know, it. It would have happened. Um, verse 8. So here's a single action which completely proves that God loves us. While we're sinners, part of a human race that was rebelling and resisting, resisting him, Christ chose by the will of his Father to die for us. Think about that, guys. So while we were enemies of God, while we rebelled against him, Christ died for us. He laid down his life for us on the cross why we didn't deserve it. Paul is, uses argument here to say that, man, even a good person, maybe, that's, that's the best human love you could possibly see, maybe will die for, for um, a righteous person. And here is God. He comes in the flesh, dies for people who don't want him, who aren't pursuing him, who rebelled against him. And he shows us that he loves us. All right? Um, some of you guys, if you struggle with just accepting that, if you struggle with just running hard for the Lord because you feel unworthy, because you fall into sin, man, Paul is saying when you're at your worst, weak as you were, God died for you, he intervened for you, he came and rescued you, he came and got you. All right, a beautiful part of the gospel. Next slide. Oh, there it is. Uh, is it harder for you to believe God delights in you today as you stumble toward maturity as you wrestle with whatever you're struggling with when all is said and done that God died for you while you're an enemy of his so therefore Paul is saying out of all that we've read you can know objectively and beyond all doubt that God loves you even if your feelings or the appearance of your life circumstances might be prompting you to wonder if you're ever struggling with that doubt if God loves you or not, if he's for you, and Paul is saying, hey, you don't have to worry about that. He's died for you on the cross. He showed that to you. 
while you resisted him, while you rebelled against him. And even while you're doing that, he's still pursuing you. For the, for the Christian in here, even while you're doing that, he's still pursuing your heart. He's still, his, 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 uh, his, his um, kindness leads you to repentance. He's still pursuing you. He's still pursuing your heart. And that's crazy, man. That's crazy to think about for me because for me, man, it, as, as, I'm, as I sin against God, as I make mistakes daily, and that leads me to my sin, I can't help but wonder, like, man, really, God, you still delight in me? You still love me despite me doing this, despite me saying that, despite me thinking that about that person? You still pursue me. You still delight in me. That's crazy because I don't deserve that. And you would be just, you would be right if you would um, cast me into hell and you would be just in doing that. But instead, for the justified believer, Christ, he, he continues to delight in us. He continues to love us. Um, and again, and, and you know, you're probably, maybe if you're thinking here, I'll be, well, what about my Christian friends? What about me? I'm, I'm not a believer. What does that mean for, for me? That, that means while you are still in your sin, this is what Christ has done for you. And if you look closely at the text, I'm not going to go too much into this, but there's actually some meanings in there talking about the past, present, and future of, of Christ dying for us and him demonstrating and him showing you that, showing you his love for you. So even while you're in your sin now, for the, uh, for the person in here who doesn't know if they're a Christian yet or is struggling with assurance, that God is still showing you that he loves you, that, hey, he's coming, he, he, that he wants to, he wants to rescue, he wants to have this relationship with you. All right. Remember that, rejoice in that. For the struggling believer, for the Christian in here, for the person who's not a believer, you have every reason to come to the gospel because Christ is open to you. <clears throat> Verses 9 and 10. Almost done. Keep up, guys. Verses 9 and 10, um, you, will, you will get there. Um, pose a question here. I know I have peace and friendship with God now. Remember we talked about beginning in Romans. And that when I get to heaven, I will have glory with God, me persevering to the end. Um, but how do I know I will make it there? How do I know I'll endure it in the meantime? You know, some of you guys may have been asking that question. Yeah, that's dope. That's good. I have all these benefits of God. Um, you know, he's for me. He got me. I have peace with God. We are reconciled. You know, we're good now with each other. I have a relationship with him. I want to pursue him. Um, he showed that he died on the cross for me. But LB, how do I know I will get there? Because life is hard. The Christian life is tough. Man, how, how do I know I, I will get there? And here Paul lays it out. And again, another, uh, um, he kind of intertwines two arguments here. Um, verses uh, 9 and 10. I don't have that one on my sheet. I mean, there it is up there. I oh, forgot about that. All right. Verses 9 and 10. Uh, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And so all, all Paul is saying here, all Paul is saying here is, um, first in verse 10, he says, if Jesus stayed on the cross and saved us when we were God's enemies, then how much more will he keep us saved now that we are his friends? All right, in verse 10, if he was able to save us when we were hostile to him, would he fail us now that we are his friends? If he didn't give up on you when you were at war with him, what could you do to make him give up on you now that you are at peace 
with him. All right. Uh, if you notice in my translation, it, it has uh, how much more um, um, transition in this text. And so Paul is, is suggesting that, that this argument proceeds from the major point um, to the minor. So the major point is that God, because God has done the most difficult thing, not really the most difficult thing, but because he has done the most uh, saving us from our sin, um, reconciling us to him, um, him dying for us on the cross, because he has done all that, if God has done the most difficult thing so far, so far, then what makes you think he cannot keep you and persevere you to the end? What makes you think that you can necessarily, I would even say, lose your salvation? God will keep you if you are a true believer in Christ. He will persevere, persevere you to the end if you are a true believer in Christ. All right. In other words, no, I'm not saying that, <clears throat> hey, I'm a Christian now. I could do whatever I want because God's going to keep me and, you know, I, I have a license of sin. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is for a true believer in Christ, no matter um, how many times you fall into sin, your repentance is going to be genuine, all right? Your repentance is going to lead you back to God. Your repentance, um, it's not just a one-time thing, but it's a lifestyle that we have. And I would even say, even for the struggling believer in here, you know, that God will persevere you to the end. For the struggling Christian in here, um, because I, I, I genuinely believe eventually in your life you're going to come and you're going to um, not struggle with that sin that 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 has devoured you, um, but God will, will keep you and God will not lose you. To, to, um, God will not lose you in the middle of your Christian walk. Um, the God who brought us into faith will keep us going in our faith. It is inconceivable that Christ should fail to save us to the end. But God will not lose you, justified believer, um, whatever you are going through. He will keep you. He will sustain you. All right. Um, John MacArthur uh, said, I don't have it up here, but he said, if you could lose your salvation, you would. If you could lose your salvation, you would. Um, and I think Paul is making a point here that, man, hey, God has done God has done everything that he, that he could do to bring you to him. So what makes you think he could just let you walk away? Eventually, whatever sin that you're dealing with, you're going to want to come back to him. You're going to want to see more of his face. Um, and, and for the, again, um, for the person who isn't a believer in here, man, that, that should um, uh, be comforting for any of us to hear because we know that God is not a God who loses his people but a God, um, again, who um, is not going to fail us to save us at the end. Last verse, guys, um, Romans 5.11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Um, first 10 verses of, of chapter 5 for, uh, present us with a wonderful series of the benefits justification brings. Next question that, that I have for you guys, what does knowing the present and future fruits of justification produce in us? What does knowing the present and future fruits of justification produce in us? Um, verse 11 says, um, because we are those who have received reconciliation, we can rejoice in this. We can enjoy these things. Um, one of the fruits of the Spirit is, is joy. talks about that in Galatians. 
Um, no matter what happens, joy will always be there in our life. As far as Paul is telling us to have joy in our sufferings, and James tells us to consider it pure joy in our trials and our sufferings, because joy is not shaken. Happiness is. All right, that could be easily taken away from us, but true joy in Christ, I mean, that's not, that will never be taken away from you. All right, happiness in your girlfriend, in your spouse, in sports or whatever, that will be easily be taken away. No matter what happens, joy will always be there. Because of, because of who we look to, not in the quantity of our faith, like Dave mentioned last week, um, forgot what parable that was, but he mentioned it's not the quantity of our faith, but it's the object of our faith, who we, who we look to, all right? Obviously, Jesus Christ. When we give our hearts to anything except God and seek happiness there, you will be disappointed. But the gospel, the gospel gives us God. Uh, next slide. I like how um, St. Augustine says, um, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And so, guys, I mean, we were created to know God. We were created to know him. Um, and we can, because of the gospel, and I just laid out the gospel here, Romans 5, 1 through 11. Because of the gospel, um, we can know him. We can know peace. We can know this access that we have to God. Even if we lose things dear to us, the gospel will still bring us joy. Knowing Christ will still bring us joy satisfaction in our lives. Um, so how do we get this joy real quick? Um, through knowing, living out, <clears throat> and meditating on this doctrine of justification, on what that means for me as a believer. Um, how can I rejoice in the benefits of knowing that? How can I tell others about it? Um, it, is as we, it is as we know more deeply what we have, who we are, and where we stand simply because we have been justified by faith. Back to verse 1, that we will find ourselves rejoicing in a certain hope of being with God, rejoicing with God, and suffering with God. Um, I have some questions for you guys to, to look at, but real quickly before I let you guys go, um, <clears throat> how do you know that you are rejoicing <clears throat> in these things? And, and real quickly, I have a couple, <clears throat> excuse me, have a couple of, uh, of, of points that I, that I want to, just read straight from a book that I was reading by Tim Keller, and he, he, he lays out some signs of rejoicing. <clears throat> Your mind is deeply satisfied with a doctrine of justification by faith. You rejoice in it by studying it and speaking about it to other people. When you discover in yourself a surprising new character flaw, fearfulness, or lack of self-control, the discovery does not make you doubt God's love. Rather, it makes you feel closer to him. And his grace for you becomes more precious in your sight. When your conscience accuses you and says, how could God love you after what you've done? You don't try to answer with reference to your performance. In other words, you don't say, I had a bad day, or I was under pressure, or I was tripping. You say something like, even if I had done this thing, that would not make me acceptable in God's sight anyway. Jesus died for me, and his blood can cover even the worst of sinners like me. Finally, when you face death, you do it with composure because you are getting, you are going to a friend. Signs of rejoicing and, and knowing this doctrine of justification. Um, 
and, and as we grow, eventually it will lead us to sanctification, which all that word means is, 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 is a, uh, just growing closer to Jesus Christ, becoming more like him through our sufferings, through, through knowing the truth about Christ, through telling that truth to others about, to know, to telling that truth about Christ to other people. Um, and, and just again, rejoicing who he is and what he's given us, guys. Um, so I'll, I'll pray for us. I have some questions to go over and then thanks for your time. Heavenly Father, we, um, we thank you, Lord. We, we love you, Father. <clears throat> we, uh, we thank you for just the gospel laid out in Romans. Father God, um, I just pray for each group of people in here, Lord, um, for the believers, struggling believers, Lord, and for the people who don't know you, God. Um, Father, I, I pray for each of us here, Lord, um, that there's some that there's some truth that you want us to grasp today, Lord, whether that's just understanding our just justification better, whether that's accept, you know, just repenting of our sins and putting our trust in the gospel, or whether that's for the struggling believer that's just really wrestling with our sin and really just struggling to know who we are in Christ. Um, <clears throat> Father God, I just pray um, that the Holy Spirit will, will come into our lives, continue to, to work and change our hearts. And um, if anything, Lord, um, just stir up our affections for you, Father God. This world and everything that we do, Lord, our hobbies and, and things like that can easily become a distraction in our lives where we don't give you the attention, we don't give you the affection that you deserve, Lord. And uh, Father God, I pray that we can just wrestle with those things to a point we don't have to wrestle anymore where that response of worship naturally comes out of us, Lord. Um, and just for... Um, the person in here, Lord, who doesn't know you and who wants to know more about you, Father God, I pray that this gospel can give them hope, something they could eventually rejoice in, and, Father, that you would just come and intervene and save them, use them for your glory, oh God. Thank you so much, Father, that you love unworthy sinners like us. I just pray, Lord, as we continue to um, live our daily lives, um, we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, rejoice in the gospel, and go and tell others um, this great, this good news that we have. <clears throat> we love you, Lord. We thank you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.